This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome in to Season 2, Episode 22 of Banging on the Drum. I am your host in Florida, P-Dog. Joined with my co-host up there in West Central Wisconsin, M-Dog. Calling at the moon. How you doing, M Dog? Uh, doing well. What have you been up to this week? I've been up to a lot of things. So we'll just roll into the unders and overs right off the bat because we did have a fairly long interview with with our buddy Keel uh, on the Luke Fickle hiring and the direction of Wisconsin football. So I'll roll into my under, and my under is pretty simply said. Uh, with the way that football has been going in Wisconsin, uh, might give a shit for watching football has is as low as it's been ever. I've probably been watching more world cup than I've been watching NFL football and college football, just because the States of Wisconsin football and Packers football right now. Yeah. So I get a little bit weird about Packers football when they lose. I get way more invested, I feel like, when they lose games than when they're at the top. Like, I love the fact that they win, right? But I feel like there's something I can do when they're losing. And I understand, like, that's not accurate. But I do feel like there, that must be like what it is, that I feel like there's something I can do to like help them get better as a fan but obviously there's not but when they have a rough season like the year before they drafted aj hawk they were i think four and 12 that year and that's probably the reason i'm as big of a packer fan as i am yeah the sam congato year there's some magic that you see like come out but yeah so like and i can't pinpoint why i invest more but I didn't watch one second of another game. Like I didn't see anything. I was out all day on Sunday and then watched the Packer game when I got home. But I watched the whole thing, watched right up to the end, even though we're down 14 with seven minutes to go or whatever. And I kind of understand that that's a loss, especially with the way Philadelphia had been moving the ball. But I watch right up to the last minute and then I'm disappointed when they lose still. Yeah. Even even though we're not going to make more than likely not going to make the playoffs. So. Yeah. No. And yeah, I still hold out faith for every game. But I broke the rule talking about Wisconsin football before uh, we get even get even even get to the Packer game. But I'm sure we'll get get some more in there. But anyways, my over is still football related. So one of my wife's friends got us free tickets to the Florida versus FSU game. This year, and I want to say FSU, I should know this, is like number 16 in the country versus Florida, who's been a struggling team. But anyways, it's a night game. Didn't start till I want to say 8 o'clock, even on the East Coast, which is late as shit. But that place was absolutely rocking. And I'm pretty sure 
that that place rocks, like whether those teams are, you know, one in 10 each matching up against each other. And I'll preface this, like I've never really been to like a good Wisconsin game, like against like Ohio State. I think I've maybe been to a battle for the axe. I can't even really remember off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I've been to a Minnesota game. But like yeah, but when, for a long time, that wasn't worth a shit that game. Yeah, exactly. Especially and, and probably that, when you were going. Yep, yeah, that's the time frame I was going. So it was absolutely the craziest college football atmosphere I've ever been in. And it was super, super cool to see. And then on top of that, watching two fairly competent quarterbacks play for college football teams was just amazing to see. So Jordan Travis, uh, FSU's quarterback, I am starting to buy that stock. Uh, he's a junior. So next year, watch out for Jordan Travis. I listened back to episode two of our show, and I was early on uh, Jalen Hurts as well. I was early. Oh, yeah, you were big on the Eagles last year for sure. You were were on that train pretty quickly. But I Uh, think it was more – so are the Falcons going to be super good next year then? Uh, No, that one's one's not there. Uh, But no. FSU, though, I don't think it'd be a bold prediction to say they're good, but Jordan Travis is going to make some waves next season in the NCAA. I just wanted to post stamp that real quick. But anyways, that's all I got. Pretty lame. I mean, the second one was cool. Yep. So I'll get into my overs and unders. Uh, My under, I started drinking Sundrop again with deer hunting season, and I can pretty easily see that I'm putting on weight. Like it's not, not good at all. Uh, so I was probably down like right around 190. Pretty, pretty steady for the last, I don't know, five, six months. And I can almost guarantee just by looking in the mirror that I'm probably pushing 200 if I'm not over 200. <laughs> and that's just from the mirror. And that really makes me not feel very good about life yeah so I just not e- probably- oh not even just from the mirror you are kind of looking chubby yeah yeah i think i see it in my face <laughs> on, the, on the camera too so uh yeah it's not it's not going well um but i love it and that's only a week's worth of sun drop but that's three cases down i believe which is which isn't bad Man, we got to find I, out when they change the recipe because Sundrop does not hit like it used to for no, me at all. You're 100% correct. But I think I build up what Sundrop is in my mind to a very large extent because I like am unwilling to have one for 11 months and then I just like go ham. Yeah, I try to, but every time I drink a Sundrop now, it's like maybe the first two drinks are good. And- I'm just not a big soft drink guy now. After after I've had a Coke this weekend, like that's that's about like the extent. Like I probably had my first Coke in two weeks this weekend. So like two a month is what I drink for sodas. Yeah, and like really, I don't miss 
miss it too much on occasion. Like I'll go into the local gas station, actually speaking to the local, uh, I'll go into the local gas station, like my hometown gas station. And like, I have a craving for a sun drop if I walk in there sometimes. Right. I, I, it's just like a weird nostalgia hits me, but now that I live back in town, it's not as much the case, but I do, I do want to, um, be disappointed in Sparta today. So I went into the, uh, Quick trip over by that must be 71. No sun drop, no bottles, no cans, no cases, none. It's unacceptable, Sparta. Get your shit together. Get your fucking sun drop in the store. Maybe Fast Eddie's is taking it all. I I agree that is unacceptable. I might have to give my uncle the mayor a call. And yeah. let them know what's going on in his city right Get their now. fucking license taken away. Jesus Christ. But I will say that's where you messed up. When you go to Sparta, you go to Fast Eddie's. You don't go to you don't go well, to the quick trips on the outskirts. Man, I'm on my way home. Like that's on the way. I'm not gonna like go <laughs> across town to go to Fast Eddie's in order to uh then you just take the highway to Toma and then you get back on the interstate. Yeah, that only it's it's only three hours to get home then instead of twenty minutes. Yeah, but Sundrop's still a buck at Fast Eddie's the last time I checked. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, so I'll I'll go into my over. Um, got out skiing for the first time this year already. Um, we had to go three hours north to go skiing though. I don't think there was anything down by us that was open. So I got to a new ski hill, Trollhagen, in it's north of Eau Claire. So we had a nice little drive, but spent five hours on Sunday skiing with the oldest kid. So it was a good time. Nice, nice. My my middleest kid does not want to start skiing or snowboarding or nothing yet. So how how old again? I know you always get pissed he, at me when I ask. He's five. He'll be six in January. So oh, he'll. He'll be skiing soon then. Yeah, soon enough. But it was a good day. I did I did end up getting like my neck is like a little tweaked. It hurts to turn my head. So have no idea how. Didn't fall once. I was gonna no say clue. tipping over too much. Yeah, no clue no clue how I got actually hurt, but I am hurt. So that's wonderful. That's the joys of aging, I guess. Yeah. That is um but from there, like I said, this, this episode might be a little bit long, but we are going to kick it to our interview with our most ever reoccurring guest, Andy Keel, or just Keel, whatever you want to call him. Um, but And he's going to help us break down the most recent Badger game in the Battle for the Axe, and then we are going to go over in-depth um, the Luke Fickle hire and Jim Leonard stuff. So hope you guys enjoy this, but here it comes. Now welcoming to the show, a fan favorite. I think our most reoccurring guest of all time, Andy Keel. How you doing, Andy? Good. I didn't know I was number one on the list. That's an honor, boys. Glad to be here. 
Yeah, I think I think if we ranked them, I think we got Mark maybe two times. What's this? Your third or fourth? I think this, this is, is at least three for sure. I think this is number four. Yeah, it's it's definitely four because we brought you in real early uh, for last year's Badger football, and then we brought you in once beginning of this season. Then once Chris got fired, and then now now. Yeah four for good reason here so normally we do uh boning up with the badgers or boning up on the badgers with pat but we're going to be doing boning up on the badgers with keel here and i guess uh were you in the crowd for this game i was all right i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you roll so what do you think of this battle for the axe here um I thought it was a really good game. I thought the crowd was the best it has been all season. So I was really excited um, until the fourth quarter hit when we just kept stalling on drives. We had a lot of three and outs. Um, and my dad and I were sitting there talking about we, we just need a first down to kind of get some things rolling, and we just couldn't get one. Um, leading up to the week, all the people that I listened to locally uh, were talking about watch out for – read options and slants. And if you knew that going in and you paid attention to that, I mean, that's what Minnesota did. That's what they killed us on. And they hit a big slant over the middle in the fourth quarter and um, took the lead and we just couldn't get anything going. And then the last possession, I mean, we were laughing in the stands on how chaotic everything just was feeling and looking. And uh, my dad and I have had running jokes for three years that Chase Wolf is a JV you know, quarterback in high school. And then we got to see him uh, get us down the field, you know, uh, backup quarterback, very chaotic. And then just the penalties was like laughable. I've never seen anything like that. Um, I was very like disappointed in the crowd. Like a lot of people left with a seven minute, a seven point game, um, like two minutes and 50 seconds left. Um, so I really wanted to score because I was disgusted with everybody who left. It was nice out. It was, you know, it was a night game. It was the last game of the year, but um, yeah, it wasn't negative twenty or nothing, right? I mean, so we had a pretty decent week last week. Yeah, it was. It was I mean, it was pretty warm. Um, I get it. Six and six season. You know, losing to Minnesota, but we still had a chance to win. Like, if we would have went to overtime, we would have needed the crowd, and they'd all left. So I was really hoping we had got there, um, and we just didn't pull it out. Chase Wolf missed. Eschenbach uh, on that last drive, wide open. There wasn't a guy within 30 yards of him on the field. Um, and he's one of the ones he threw into the back of the end zone. Um, one of the 10 that he threw over the back of the end zone. Yeah. And watching it live, I don't know if you could tell on TV, but watching it live, you could just tell as soon as the ball left his hand that it was going to be overthrown. Like he was just, he had, he had to have so much adrenaline and just wasn't able to, to get it done. I mean, that's a tough spot to be in as a backup, but it definitely is a tough spot, but like the dumb fan in me is just like, you know, there's no precision that's going to win you that last play of the game after whatever 10 false starts and a holding penalty that puts you at, what was it? The Something so, goal from the 35, you know, you just got to lob it in there and just hope and pray. And he just rips <laughs> out of his ass like out of the back of the end zone he threw one on the replay it looked like he was trying to be Patrick Mahomes where his eyes were looking this way and he just threw it as hard as he could to the left side of the end zone and it 
I mean, it didn't stand a chance. Um, but we were, I mean, we were laughing at it at this point. Like, what a perfect way to end this season by just screwing everything up. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's a good optimistic take on it for sure. But I think everybody thinks they have some like magic in them, and he just found out that most of us don't have that magic in us. Yeah, I I would laugh when people would clamor for Chase Wolf. Like I, he was coming in the game, and I was like, I think he's thrown like ten passes in his career, and five of them have been intercepted. Three of them, oh really? Pounds or something. It's it's uh, it's a very high percentage. And then that first throw he made. I mean, two guys should have picked it off for Minnesota. The game should have been over. Um, but he made he made some completions. We got a, a PI. We had a big fourth down play, um, and then it just the wheels fell off. So, yeah, I'm trying to look at these career stats right here. So yeah, he's four interceptions, two touchdowns. How many why attempts? What? Uh, so it's. 31 attempts. So on four interceptions. or senior. Yeah. So he did he did finish one year with 110 passer rating. So good job. That was that was his big year back in 2021. Eight for 16, one touchdown, two interceptions. Six years at a high class university for free. Good for Chase Wolf, I suppose. Yeah, he's he's leaving there a doctor. Yeah. So, so he, he did things right there, but yeah, I did just kind of want to get into, so just the scoring breakdown. So Wisconsin couldn't finish drives in the first half. Um, what did we go? Six. So six to 10 into halftime, uh, Minnesota had that one nice drive right off the bat, 81 yard drive capped off with, can you say the backup quarterbacks name, right? Uh, no, I. Pelicamanis. Pelicamanis. You got it. Right. Yeah, that sounds. Right on the nose. Yeah. I, I, I've done it two weeks in a row. Mike just keeps telling me I'm right. But yeah, it caps it off with a six yard TD drive. And that was one thing that was a little bit disappointing is that guy's been dog shit since he got thrown in in the heat of the battle three weeks ago. Yet he's a young guy. So gets three games under his belt or two games under his belt, then comes in play Wisconsin so maybe he got his feet under him but we sure made him look pretty damn good because he ended up going 19 for 29 with 319 yards and two touchdowns uh Badgers did a good job with Ibrahim uh he had 27 carries for only 70 yards so that was pretty impressive because that guy was leading the nation in yards per game not yards though I was confused about that I think he was injured for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that would that's so why it wouldn't make that sense. matters. Yeah, I I think going into the game, the Calicanis was like a forty six percent pass completion. And he just torched us. I mean, he was making big throws. His receivers were making big plays. Uh, There's a one guy, uh, Daniel Jackson. He's number nine for Minnesota. He was like all in, was going to commit to Wisconsin, and ended up in Minnesota and. He made a couple just really big catches on Saturday. Um, yeah, but yeah, it sounds like they just got a another recruit, like, he, like maybe a transfer portal guy from Wisconsin. yeah, Marcus Allen, one of our yeah, just higher today, weight receivers who've gotten and tra- transferred out and ended up in Minnesota today. So. Oh yeah, I guess big story of the game, uh, Big Ten West game. If you ever seen one, Badgers 
weren't really finished drives, finished the one with that wasn't a double. No, it's just a reverse. I was wanting to see the the double reverse to Shimmeray. Um so it got a little clever to punch one in there, but other than that, uh just weren't finishing drives. Graham Mertz looked like Graham Mertz. And then as you already alluded to, Chase Wolf looked like like a JV quarterback. Uh, coming in but who knows with all the communication stuff with all the penalties at the end of the game like who who really who really knows I mean maybe he's just he's never had much of an opportunity to run it and then sure as shit you get the ball down seven in the fourth quarter of your big rivalry game so the rough spot line after the third penalty was like shushing the crowd and like because everybody was just like what the hell is going on uh, people just couldn't process what was happening and it was bad, but yeah, I saw one of the tight ends was just like losing his mind in the backfield, like just throwing his hands up and it was, that was probably after Chase Wolf missed him when he had, he could have ran from Madison to Chicago without being touched by a Minnesota gopher. Yeah. yeah. But so like you said, capped off the season in style, uh, Ending up losing the axe for two consecutive years, the first time since 1993, the 1993-1994 season. So, yeah, I guess that does kind of cap the season off in in the fashion that the season has went, I guess. So, I get my first question for you in the letting Keel cook segment is just how did you feel in whole? about this season like did did you take any good takeaways I mean I feel like there was quite a few bad takeaways but you seem to be a pretty realistic and optimistic I'm impressed with your optimism uh fan so I just want to hear what your perspective on the season was well I think when we did the preseason show I said we we're gonna go 11 and one uh, <laughs> I I can't believe I guess where we're at um given everything in September, if you would have told me we went six and six and both Paul Christ and Jim Leonard were not going to be our head coach, I would have thought you were crazy. I, the, probably the biggest roller coaster of a season, um, didn't beat any teams that we weren't supposed to, didn't beat any teams that were probably on a similar, like just playing, um, and it was a really frustrating season. It was another what appeared to be a wasted defensive season. I know we gave up a lot of passing yards and we looked atrocious against Ohio State, but um, just didn't seem to be able to put anything together as a team. And here we are uh, five months after, you know, four months after the season started and we're staring down the barrel of a completely different type of program and situation and um stuff i mean i don't know how you i i don't obviously have much of a positive take um nobody really seemed to stand out and produce that was super young i think skylar bell has some really strong traits for a red shirt freshman wide receiver um but our offense looked the same as it's looked the last three three and a half years um 
terrible home slate of games for as a season ticket holder. Uh, Washington State may have been our best opponent <laughs> during the season. Um, really big highs, really big lows, really wild time thinking Jim Leonard was going to be the coach and then all this stuff happened that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But, yeah, it's just a really long season that I don't really have a ton of takeaways and I'm kind of ready to just move on from and restart. All right. Well, let's move on for it. So what do you think of the Luke Fickle hiring? Um, when the news hit yesterday, I, Mike texted me about it and I said, my emotions are in a blender. I had no um, idea that this was possible. I have been kind of speaking a little bit with some friends about this is kind of the one guy, Luke Fickle, that I would have taken over Jim Leonard, the one guy that I thought probably would have been ahead of him. Um in the, I guess, ideal candidate for a Wisconsin football coach. Uh, I think it's an A-plus home run knock out of the park hire. Um, I think he's a proven commodity. I think everybody in college football wanted Luke Fickle. Um, he's turned down some pretty big jobs, Michigan State, uh, Notre Dame, Nebraska. He's been linked to LSU, Oklahoma, Texas, all these little things. And I think the only reason he's not at Notre Dame is because his group of five Cincinnati team made the playoffs um, in the year that that job came open and he wasn't going to leave that opportunity and leave those guys. And um, I think that kind of speaks to why he's a cultural fit for Wisconsin. Um, But the overall feeling I had is, I mean, it took me like two and a half, three hours to like process that it wasn't going to be Jimmy, Jim Leonard. I had that set in my head. Um, I was prepared for that step. I was excited for him. Sat on here multiple times. He's by far my favorite Badger. Um, and to watch him be a successful coach. <clears throat> but I was not mad at any point. I was just kind of sad. I knew that this was the right hire. I knew that Luke Fickle was, if you could get him, um, that's the way to go. Um, and I just didn't think we would be able to pony up the cash. Uh, to go get a guy like this. And I, I didn't think that um, of all the options that he had, that Wisconsin would be the choice to finally step away from Cincinnati. Um, I just think the timing was right. Um, Cincinnati's moving to the Big 12. There's a big race, I think, to get Big 10 and SEC jobs um, because of the way college football is moving, um, because of where the money is going. Um, and I, I'm really excited on what this means for, like, the overall program. Um, yeah, so if we turn it to the the sad side of things. So, obviously, like you said, like, if there was one coach that could beat Jim Leonard out, it would probably be Fickle. But where do you think Jim Leonard goes from here? I – don't know. Um, yeah, it's a tough question. Fickle today said that he did speak with Jim Leonard. He's open to keeping Jim Leonard on the staff, um, and they're going to speak again on Wednesday. I think there's probably less than a 10% chance that he stays on staff. Um, they did post for both positions, OC and DC. So Yep, um, and they did that before Fickle's press conference today, and that's where he kind of said that. I would be um, really surprised if he stayed. I know that in that scenario, I don't know if I could could stick around a program like that, but um, you never know if he goes home and has a conversation and 
him and his family decide that he's still making really good money. He's still in the place that he loves. Um, it's a really unique spot because Luke Fickle went through the same thing when Ohio State hired Urban Meyer. Um, he took over for Jim Tressel at Ohio State as the defensive coordinator, interim coach. Uh, Ohio State alum went through this whole process just for them to hire Urban Meyer. Um, he thought he was going to get the job. And he ended up staying as a defensive coordinator for five more years before he moved uh, to Cincinnati. So I think that there is some unique circumstances. If there's anybody who's going to understand what Jim Leonard's going through, it's the guy that they hired. And it's just a weird coincidence that their career paths kind of align very similarly. Um, so I don't know if he looks at that as the positive standpoint. I don't know if he looks at that as something that this guy's going to know what I'm going through. He can help me out. He knows how to give and take with where I'm at. But I think at the bottom line is screwed is, is the word I'm hearing. I don't necessarily agree with that, but Jim got a really, really raw deal with what happened. And there's really no other way that I think the AD Chris McIntosh could have handled it. It's not like, Hey, Jimmy, we really like you, but you're number two. If Luke says yes. So, uh, come on down if he says, you know, no, and we'll wake it work. You can't really do business like that. Um, but I think this is the only candidate that would have beat him. And I think that's probably something that Jimmy has to be able to recognize. And maybe he realizes that and wants to stick around. But if I had to bet money on it, he's going to be uh, either at a head coach at a smaller school, uh, the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football, or ideally, so we can still root for the prodigal son of Wisconsin, the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, uh, no, so that would, that would be fickle pass on the Ohio State job when Urban left, or how did that kind of pan out? Um, so they chose Urban Meyer over him, and then they chose Ryan Day over him. So both, uh, he was gone when Urban Meyer uh, left, though. He was not a part of the staff. Anymore. So he was already at Cincinnati? Yeah, he had just taken – I think he was in his second year at Cincinnati. Okay. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I, that makes me feel better because I was like, we got an Ohio State guy, so this is going to be the stepping stone to Ohio State. So he's got some burnt bridges at Ohio State. So we don't yeah. have to worry about – that stepping stone at the very least. And I, everybody's talking about Ryan Day getting fired. He's lost two games in the Big Ten his entire career, I think. And he's making $10 million a year. I think everybody is fine still where they're at. With yeah, him. I don't think Ryan Day is getting fired. I do think that – I so my biggest concern about the fickle hiring is that it's a stepping stone into something else. And I guess I don't know where that someplace else is currently but i could pretty easily see that being like a usc a ucla a like a texas oklahoma any sec school or any big 10 school i think the way things are currently panning out is that um if you're not in the sec or the big 10 you're going to be left out of the big games at the end um yeah i I get that. And I think a lot of the fan base has this fear, especially to like Ohio state. Right. Um, that's the only school that I worry about. And I was, Luke fickle has literally had tons of opportunities to move to other schools from Cincinnati. He's been incredibly selective 
He's turned down big jobs um, in the past. He's already turned down places like Oklahoma. I shouldn't say turned down, linked. He didn't show mutual interest in. Um, and I just don't think he's that type of guy. Now, that changes. College football changes. Money changes those type of people, I suppose. Um, but he's had those opportunities for big-time jobs, and he's turned them down. Now, he is very much a Big Ten guy. Um, I've heard on several national podcasts that he has no interest in moving south or west um, or even into, like, the ACC type of uh, conference which makes me very excited that he looked at this opportunity um, kind of as a place to settle. Um, I think if he had his choice, he would want like a Penn State or a Michigan. Um, but I think he looked at the landscape. James Franklin at Penn State just got like a 10-year extension. Jim Harbaugh probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon with his success. Um, and he looked at Wisconsin as – one of the top five teams in the Big Ten um, with a good culture that fits his type of, I think, what he's built at Cincinnati. Um, it's very similar. Um, and I think that's why he decided on us would be my guess. Not, he said that in a press conference, but he's a coach in a press conference. He's going to give you the, the positive speech. So. Yeah. Do you think he got passed up for the Nebraska job? No. I think I think Wisconsin's a better job than the Big Ten or the, the Nebraska. Um, so we're biased, Keel. I'm just saying, you know what um, I mean. Like the national media doesn't think that. I disagree with that. I do listen to a lot of uh, national podcasts, specifically uh, Andy Staples' podcast that he has. He's a big athletics or ath the athletic guy does a national podcast, um, and then the uh, it's, I can't think of the name, but it's the Fox produced podcast and when both the Nebraska and Wisconsin jobs came open, they had this discussion on those podcasts and all of them agreed that Wisconsin was probably the better job than Nebraska because okay. they have an identity and a culture built in where Nebraska has no idea who they're going to need to be since they've left the big 12. So um, I would agree I'm biased on some of that, um, but I think I've heard enough reflection on some of those larger um, conversations that it was, it was a different thing. Now that being said, the person Nebraska hired is also, I think, a fantastic hire. So that was Rule, Matt Rule. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an excellent college football coach. I got one point too to kind of add to Kill's point. So I just think there's something too. So Nebraska's been there, done that. They won a national title. The Michigans out there done that, won a national title. Ohio State. Been there, done that, won a national title. I think there's some pride you can take in sure Wisconsin's been good. You know, they've flirted with shots to make it to the national title, losing on Hail Marys or whatever it be. But I think there's got to be some pride in grabbing a team that's where Wisconsin is and bringing them to the next level is kind of like my optimism behind it. Uh, for a guy like that to stay is because if you can get Wisconsin into that territory, I think, I mean, obviously Cincinnati's not going to be the same. Like he got Cincinnati there. I think if you get Wisconsin there, you can get Wisconsin there and you can get them there on a semi-consistent basis. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Ohio State, but things happen. 
Yeah, I think Penn State's. I think Penn State is um, like where their floor is is where we want our floors to be, and we want our ceilings to be able to be close to where there is are. Um, but you know, obviously, a little bit higher because they haven't been able to get over the same hump as many yeah. other teams. So Michigan. Penn State's got a pretty tough, tough role right now due to the fact that they play both Michigan and Ohio State every year. So that's pretty challenging the last three years, four years. I mean, yeah. it's been very challenging with Ohio State for the last, I don't know, twenty. And then Michigan, they had a little dip there in the mid two thousands, but the last four or five years, they've been very difficult team to have to go up against. I got to add on question to the end of the show, but I'm just putting that there for a mental note. So moving on with this though, is so what, what does fickle bring to the table then um, that we haven't seen? So the thing that when we fired Paul Curtis, when I came on, the thing that I was so fearful about, was us falling into the mediocrity, oblivion that could be e easily happen in college football. And I thought that because I didn't think our athletic department and our philosophies on how we go about our business would go and make this type of hire. Um, I didn't think we would go make a Luke Fickle hire. I think this is a absolute program changing potential hire. Now, anything could fail. Right. But we're going to, it's not going to, so we're going to ignore that because we're biased. Uh, but I think this changes everything about how we're going to approach the new age of college football. I think we're going to throw a lot more money at our program. We already have, um, they came out today. Fickle is going to average around $8 million in salary. Um, uh, first time here, that's $3 million more than I think what Chris was making. Um, that doesn't even, include what he's going to have for assistant money for recruiting department money um i think we're going to attack nil in a way that i have been begging for um in ways of finding ways to get recruits deals rather than getting current players deals and i think that's where um, recruiting in college football is going um for like a five-star um a five-star skill position guy, it's going to run you about three to $4 million uh, up front, not up like while he's here. Uh, so that type of stuff is going to become a thing. Um, and he didn't, he touched on it a little bit in his press conference and UW hasn't said anything, but I do think this is going to create some of those academic exemptions that are going to allow us to go get, good quality students who are also four or five star running backs that can come in and fit in our program. Um, people always wonder why we don't get the best running back here or there. Well, those guys spend a lot of time being good at football um, and that takes away from what they can do in the classroom. And I think some of that's going to go away. That doesn't mean we're going to get a guy who is, you know, be disrespectful like a dummy we're not going to go get like somebody who doesn't deserve to be at a you were going to say frank gore uh i was <laughs> going to say Boopy Miles. i was thinking uh quentin williams from alabama he tried to do like quick math in a 
and it was like single digit math in a press conference while he's at Alabama and he couldn't do it. Uh, but he's an amazing defensive tackle in the NFL right now. So what am I to say anything, but I don't think, uh, I think there's a lot of guys that can get in and be good students that um, are going to get some of those exemptions type type processes. So that way we can still have the student athlete, um, but yet do it a little bit more on par with what the landscape of college football has. Um, I think recruiting wise, I don't think we're necessarily going to be in on every four and five star guy all of a sudden. But I think um, we're going to raise the the floor of our three star guys that we're getting going from those lower three stars rated like 84, 83, 82 skill position corners. And those are going to go up into the 87s, 88s, um, which allows us to then um, have good talent and then develop that talent and then fill it in with big big time gets going in and battling uh, in the state of Ohio and the state of Michigan and, and stuff like that for uh, those guys that have been going to Penn state and places like Kentucky um, because Ohio state is a national recruiting program. There's not enough spots for them to take all these elite guys from Ohio because they're getting the guys from Texas, Florida, California. So there's a lot of options open in the state of Ohio for recruiting that Luke Fickle knows better than anybody probably in college football. Yeah. So like immediate recruiting. So I'm just Twitter browsing. Cincinnati had a four-star quarterback connected to uh, Fickle. And are there rumors? I mean, I guess what I've seen is rumors flying that it sounds like he might be able to pull this guy with him or is that stupid? Um, I don't know about the four-star quarterback. I haven't seen, he has not decommitted yet from Cincinnati, but there has been a couple guys who have decommitted and entered the transfer portal that are on the Cincinnati roster that have started or have really good, you know, are good players. Um, I never tweet at a recruit. I never do any of that, but I did check. Many of them have recently now followed, uh, many of the Wisconsin football recruiting beat people recruiting accounts for the Badgers um, and things like that. Now, I don't know if they had already done that because we had been recruiting them when they were in high school or if that's something that has been come up in the last 48 hours. But a lot of the people that have decommitted or have entered the transfer portal have done that, one being a pretty high-rated cornerback um, that I think we'll go after. The quarterback has that they have the force excuse me, the four-star guy has not decommitted or not made any sort of connection, but it's going to be, uh, this is going to be a really wild couple months. I, I'm like a kid in a candy store. We're going to have transfers in transfers out recruiting philosophy changes, new ramped up recruiting departments, drama probably with Jimmy. Is he staying? Is he going the drama we've already had? Um, it's going to be a really wild couple months. I, if Jim Leonard is gone, we're going to lose a lot, a lot of players that we have. You, to is there any chance that Mertz might be one of those players? Um, I think we've seen, I think we've seen Graham Mertz play his last game at Camp Randall. That would be my guess. Really? See, yeah. I kind of thought we were just stuck with him for one more year because. Who do we have in the pipeline 
that's going to take over? Would it be an outside guy coming in to take the job? Yeah, I think um, I think if like Jim Leonard got the job, I think he was going to hammer the transfer report for a quarterback. Um, Jim Leonard came out and said to, uh, last week when everybody thought he was getting the job, he said the one thing that we need to evaluate is the dynamic that somebody who can move within the pocket and can scramble and can run and be a dual-threat guy can bring to a program like Wisconsin. And just those comments alone show you that no matter who was the coach, we're going to be in the market for somebody to come in. Now, does that mean it's going to be a really big transfer or just somebody to compete with Graham Mertz? Um, but I think with the overall staffing changes, uh, what – I mean, I don't think a single offensive staff besides maybe Bob Bullsett or offensive line coach is going to be back. And even the offensive line hasn't looked super well this year. So um, that could – factor in maybe Graham Mertz decides to leave on his own. Um, but at the very worst, he's going to have a lot more competition um, that is hopefully pushing him to uh, be better. So. Yeah, no, I, they finally listened to me. That's all I wanted was just, I don't even want a guy that can throw the ball. I want a guy that can run the ball at quarterback and then just gent, like gently ease him in to throwing the ball. I want to add an extra dimension to our run game from the quarterback position. And then let's go from there. Let's go from there. Mike, did that answer your Cincy question? I know Mike threw, threw a uh, question. So kind of, so we don't have any clear answers on guys from Cincinnati that have come out and stated that they would, like to play at Wisconsin that they're going to plan to follow, follow fickle. I mean, I guess it's really short, right? It's yesterday. So it's not, yeah, like we'll this probably know more when we got some development, but we'll probably know about that in the more, uh, more in a couple of weeks, but I was uh, crammed into some, you know, message boards since, you know, we, oh, you, through- you go there. Uh, yeah, I weave through the, the craziness a lot. There's um, some pretty ridiculous stuff um, on the Wisconsin message boards right now. But the um, Midwest recruiting guy, so the guy who oversees the, the Midwest uh, recruiting for 24-7 sports, um, said we'd know more in probably about uh, 48 to 72 hours on what that's going to look like. Um, and they would have a better idea once – the staff start to get hired at Wisconsin. So if they don't know the staff, uh, very few of them are going to uh, very few players commit to the head coach. Uh, They've commit to their position coaches and none of those are established at Wisconsin. So it's hard to be able to say who's coming and who's not Um, the cornerback that decommitted. I think he's a four star. Um, The guy said that there's a good chance that he could end up at Wisconsin, but he was also going to Cincinnati to play baseball um, and Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball program, probably not an end all be all type of a deal, but a, a factor that might lead him to another quality program, um, that has an option for him to play both sports. So, um, there's not a lot out there. I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen more, uh, transfer portal people from Wisconsin. Um, the way the players, advocated for Jim Leonard, the way they spoke about why they wanted him to be their coach. 
I thought we were going to have a mass exodus in 24 hours, but it sounds like maybe they're giving Fickle a chance. They're listening to what he has to say um, and then are going to decide that situation um, for their futures in a couple couple days here. Now they have Bill the fifth. Is that correct? Um, I believe they have well into like to see. I think you can enter the transfer portal at any time. Um, I know that oh, there's okay. so there's something with when you lose a coach, you can transfer within so many days. And I was really confused by that. I don't know the exact rule, but you can transfer at any time now. So maybe it's just players can get recruited that way. Um, because I know there's I thought some- I heard something about the fifth due yeah, to not- the transfer portal, but I don't follow. I think that's when players can start like not just signing, but then attending the university. Okay. But I don't know that for sure. I was kind of confused by that rule because players have transferred midseason last year when we didn't have a coaching change. Um, so I'm not I'm not exactly sure that how that works. Yeah, it would kind of make sense, like because it's the end of the semester that you could start transferring at that point. But I couldn't see them holding you to like you need to be in the transfer portal before the bowl game. Uh, right. Because you, you would think they would just be like, okay, well, you can go play the bowl game. And then let's transfer after that. But anyways, rolling on to the next one. We're getting close to the end here. So what does this do for the identity of Wisconsin football? Do you think we're still going to be the – get the offensive linemen, run the ball, uh, play good defense, grind it out? Yeah, I think we're, I, I think we're going to have – a similar kind of smash mouth approach, but I, I think that we will evolve in a way that we've wanted to evolve as an offense um, for, for some time. So I, I do think that, I mean, if you look at the Cincinnati's offense, they obviously had a dynamic quarterback, second round pick could move with his feet, uh, but they developed him into a second round draft pick from a, I think he was the hundredth ranked quarterback recruit or something I heard on one of the national podcasts um into a second round pick and somebody who could lead their team to be as competitive as a team like Cincinnati can be against Alabama and I do think all of that stuff that he's been doing at Cincinnati Cincinnati can get elevated to more of that Big Ten standard that Penn State standard where we're in the top 17 top 15 recruiting classes um and we're bringing in guys that can elevate our skill positions um, I think the biggest thing that we've seen at Wisconsin the last several years is we cannot scheme anybody open. Um, all of our guys are like, when's the last time you saw a post route in the Wisconsin offense? That's got a guy just running down the middle wide open. Um, I think some of that stuff is happening at Cincinnati. I think fickle knows what that's going to take and what that needs. And I think our offense will evolve into what we have, but I think the, the bones of what the Wisconsin program are going to stay because it's what we can recruit locally uh, to make us successful. Um, So I think you have to keep what that looks like. Um, As far as defense goes, I mean, Fickle's a former defensive coordinator. Um, He runs a three, three, five, which isn't totally dissimilar to the three, four. It's just replacing a linebacker with another safety um, or corner. but I think our, uh, our team is built to run the three, four. And I think he's a talented enough guy to make those 
decisions if needed if we stick with that. I think we're going to maintain a good defense. He gets great defensive players. Look at what he put into the NFL last year. And nine players drafted from Cincinnati um, last year. So I think that speaks to his ability to identify talent and recruiting and then continue to develop them. And we talked um, one of the times I was on here about Iowa getting better defensive back recruits and five-star safeties and this type of stuff. It's because he put them in the, they put them in the NFL. Um, so when you start doing that and you have his track record, you take a, a good scheme, a good place like Wisconsin, and then you add that element, what I think just elevates everything when it comes to the talent production in our program. Um, I am very excited to see what kind of happens with some of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if, and, and if Jim Leonard stays on, I'm going to do a naked dance in my front yard. I'm going to be so excited if we're able to retain um, that because I think we, you're looking at two elite defensive coordinator type minds um, working together to identify some of that. And Jimmy can maybe grow into some of the stuff that didn't get him the job when he was talking to McIntosh. So might so just don't pull up any fence posts or nothing like that. Yeah. Hey, might just started we, looking for his. We don't want none of that shit. Mike just started didn't looking even do for it. his. I didn't. <laughs> I know. Either did I. <laughs> so the law says. Um, but when, when you were talking about that, the cops think Mike Doherty did it that night. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was yeah, as that far was. as cops know, that's who's <laughs> that's who's doing it, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, when you were talking about the naked dance, Mike was like looking over there. I seen him there, like, he's like, okay, the binoculars are still here, we're good to go. <laughs> yep, all right, we derailed ourselves. Uh, but anyway, just, just a bit there though. All right. So Pat, you got to get into the, this last question here. All right. So I don't know if you've been keeping up with the show, but I came up with the most genius idea for the big 10 conferences. And I came up, it, you haven't, I seen it in your eyes, you haven't. So the conferences, once uh, UCLA and USC joins, we're going to switch to the animals versus the non-animals. And it's a genius idea, Kiel, but I don't have mascots off here. I'm trying to think who we got to play regularly. No, I, I know. I had it all typed out in our last word doc, but let me. Yeah, pull. So, so we got like Maryland, Penn State, uh, Minnesota, the Badgers, UCLA, yeah, it'd be nicer to look at a visual. Uh, Michigan. Mike and I had a visual when we did this. Northwestern. How many is that, Keel? All right, so seven. So I'm missing one. Wait, so you have uh, Michigan, uh, Iowa. Iowa's the last one on. Who did Who did I miss from what you said then? Because I wrote down Iowa. So I think Penn State is who Mike missed. No, he said Penn State. Okay, so, so we Maryland, have Penn State, have... Michigan, the Badgers, the Gophers, Northwestern, UCLA, and Iowa. Is that everybody? It should be eight and eight. It works out perfectly. 
Yep. Assuming that the Buckeye is not a is not an animal. I don't, no, I don't think it is. I don't. It's not even a real thing. It's a, it's a it's a dessert that my family serves at Christmas. It's got it's delicious chocolate peanut butter. <laughs> is there really a thing called a Buckeye that's a dessert thing? Oh yeah, Mike. What episode would the of conferences been in? Would that have been twenty uh, twenty? Oh, no. I got it. I got it right here, Kill. We'll make it a little bit easier. So I am gonna pull some pull some nifty moves here. Um and I'm gonna share my screen. It's this technology we have here. All right, Kill. You shouldn't have to write it down anymore. So here is the conference breakdown for the animals versus the non-animals. So we have on the animal side, UCLA, Michigan, Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota, Wisconsin, non-animals, USC, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan State, Rutgers, Indiana, Purdue, Illinois. Perfect. I'm writing a letter to the commissioner. Um, Not only is it eight and eight, it's like competitively really well balanced and tell tell them how you solve the rivalry games well no i i just went back to the leaders versus legends for the the rivalry games because in the leaders versus legends it was like the the rivalry was on the opposite side of the thing so the rivalries aren't completely solved yet but i think we're going to be making some new rivalries so you see here so ucla usc that matches up pretty well Michigan, Ohio State, that matches up pretty well. I think I would go with, I don't know who I would put Penn State against, but Maryland is going to go against Rutgers. That's going to be their rival. Tell me, who's, who's Penn State's non-animal rival? Um, Maybe Nebraska's good. Maybe but, so, I, that's fine. The other thing is that some of them don't matter, right? So the Michigan-Ohio State game matters. The Wisconsin versus the Minnesota game matters, right? Like you have to have those. Um, I don't know that Penn State like nationally has a rivalry game that actually matters. Like Ohio State. But yeah, uh, the biggest traditional rivalry is Pittsburgh. Yeah, so they, oh. and they could play that either way. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing is we would have to create some new rivalries in this. I mean, we wouldn't have to, like Mike said, you don't like really need to have your rivalry, but I think if we're going to set the foundation, we're going to say, we're going to cut this off at 16 teams. I don't know if we're going to do that. We would need to make a couple new rivalries, but a lot of the rivalries still exist in the format that this, this is put up, but I just wanted to have toot my own horn at the Big Ten office yet? No, I'm, I'm working on it right now. I want to get uh, pictures in there first because I think they respond. <laughs> I think they respond a little bit better to to pictures before I completely. It has it. to be but, visually appealing, right? Yeah. I mean, so we don't want to just send up shit, you know, Excel documents or something. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I can. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, parlay that for some money or something, but 
I just want to see it happen because I was always a proponent of the Leaders First Legends. Like people shit on it. And I think they shit on it purely because of the name. But when since we've moved to this West-East thing, it's the East. Like that's leaps and bounds better than the West. At least when, I don't know, was it only one year where we did Leaders First Legends? Uh, it was a couple. But like yeah. it was way more balanced. Yeah. Um, than but so now. the SEC has always been off balance too with their uh, – East and West. this this is where we're gonna take that step and be above the SEC animals right. versus non-animals, but they can't change the name at all. It just has to be that simple. It's animals. Yeah, I'll say can't take my idea. I that I like it a lot. I mean, completely <laughs> it works. I, I I get the concept. I think it's fantastic. I That's think you should. All say- I need it. I think he would. I think he would at worst get a like a hmm, not you know, pretty good idea. Yeah, he would get he's a, probably already heard it the last time you mentioned it on the episode, Pat. I mean, yeah. I'm, it's yeah. got to be out there now. Well, he's he's one of the twelve that's been <laughs> <laughs> listening. In. Yeah, probably. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. What did you guys think of uh, us choosing Fickle over Leonard? So I was the same as you. I was a little bit torn and <clears throat> I read a tweet that I think summed up the, uh, the emotions of like what you could go through at the time is like, it could still be true that uh, Jim Leonard, like you said, it's not really getting fucked over, but like getting a raw deal and Luke fickle being the best hire. It, it's just like all of those things can be true. Like, I feel bad for Jim Leonard. I wish things would go differently for him in that situation. But then on top of it, if you got a guy that's taking Cincinnati to the playoffs coming to Wisconsin, how can you really complain about that guy being there? So that, that's all I got. Yeah. So for me, I think that uh, it's probably – you probably hired the most sought-after coach in the country – Right. So everybody, nobody else is going to move. Like Jim Harbaugh is not moving to another job. Um, Ryan Day isn't moving to another job. Uh, who's the guy at Clemson? Dabo is not moving to another job. Um, geez, Nick Saban's not moving to another job. Right. So the only time you're going to really run into a guy who's going to take a different job that's like an elite level coach is if he's coaching at a lower level school. And I like Cincinnati is just a, in a lower, you know, it's not in a power five conference. It's, it's might be moving to that, but even then it's moving to a power five conference that just got gutted by losing its two powerhouse teams. Right. Um, my personal opinion is that I think it's kind of a mistake. I think he should have hired Jim Leonard and not because Fickle's going to be a bad coach. I think he's going to be good. I think that he can excel the program probably to whatever he wants. I think he can be one of those top five, you know, coaches in the country. Like, I don't think that, but I also think Jim Leonard can do the same thing. Maybe, maybe it takes him 10 years instead of five where Fickle can do it in five and it takes Jim Leonard 10, but I don't know that Fickle stays 10 years. That's my concern. 
and he could, like if you turn Wisconsin into a powerhouse school, just the same way, you know, Alabama kind of got flipped on its head and got turned back into a powerhouse school. Um, Clemson wasn't a powerhouse, what, 15 years ago, you know, so you get the right coach, you can turn the schools into powerhouse. And so maybe he does stay if, right. You in five years, you are competing for the big 10 title and going to the playoff just about every year. So I could be wrong on that, that he never leaves, but I assume he'll leave. Mike stuck to his guns. I thought I was going to get to call Mike out here real quick. So in our text conversation, I said, we might need to get Keel on this week. And Mike said, who'd they hire? And I said, Luke Fickle. And Mike said, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I hate it because I think he'll jump ship. Not because I think he's going to be bad though. No, only, I got you. I think he'll be good. That in your mind though, Mike, is if he gets a big job, that means he's done a good job. That's what I said. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. But um, we watched a guy jump ship after he had a three-loss season at Wisconsin when I don't know that we'd had a three-loss season in the, the previous three or four years. Old Joe Anderson? Not Joe Anderson, Joe <laughs> Bielema. Oh, Brett Bielema. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but so then we like, had- and then Anderson, Anderson jump ship too. And I don't, and maybe Anderson can't stay because he can't, he won't have the success. He wasn't going to be an elite level coach. Where is he now? Nowheresville, I think. He's not coaching from my understanding. Yeah. So maybe he's just a bad coach. And they said, it's time for you to like advance this job into your next job or something. That's a real possibility, right? That he's not fired, but he moves on because they say we're done here. Does it change your mind knowing that he already makes $8 million? And if he gets to the playoff consistently, that's going to go up and be competitive. Uh, So no. So I don't, I don't think that the money keeps you there, especially if Texas or Oklahoma, or, I mean, it'd be hard for me to see like in Ohio state calling him for a job, but like some of these programs in the sec will offer six to 7 million for a defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, they don't care about the money they spend because of how much they make. Right. So I think that pretty easily a, a school like Texas or USC that has shit loads of money could just say, we'll give you whatever you want. You want $50 million. We'll give you $50 million. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a limit there. Like you're not going to probably make more than saving, but. Right. No, to nor some should. Extent, there's no limit, no, nor should he, nor should anyone. Right. Yeah. I think the only thing to like push back on that, especially with this particular hire is there's guys that don't want to go from the Midwest down to the South to recruit. There's just a lot more yeah. like tomfoolery that kind of happens. I think fit, fit fickles, one of those guys. Um, but I mean, like you said, nobody thought Bielema was going to go either. So it's possible. Right. And so for me, Right. So I look at, and I think maybe I'm just slightly jaded by what happened since Alvarez left. Yeah. Right. And so that's probably a big piece of it because when yeah. Alvarez left, I did feel like it's a, it's a top 20 job in the country, right? Like everything's kind of established. Things are going really, really well. And unless you're getting a top 
five job in the country, there's no reason to jump ship. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up. I think we spent about an hour on the Badgers for good reason this time. Um, do you got any closing remarks, Keel, before you leave here? I thought the slogan Jimmy Cooks was going to be fantastic, and I'm sad <laughs> that it's gone. Uh, maybe I'm stupid, but I don't get it. Jimmy Cooks. Yeah, I, I, I had not heard that either. So there's a, it was a song, like, I don't know if you've seen the videos of like Jimmy going into the locker room and they play a rap song and it's just like going from Paul Chris to a guy who's going to go in and knows what a rap song is, was kind of exciting. Um, and it was called, and they, the song they always played was called Jimmy Cooks by Drake. And it was the kind of the slogan from the defense um, and all the players and stuff. And he had kind of adapted that and it was a, kind of a Twitter thing. And I thought it was I thought it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like that. I like that having like that culture building piece like yeah. is, is pretty big, you know. After they beat Nebraska, they played Jimmy Crack Corn and he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, be prepared. Uh, there's a good chance Brandon Allen's going to leave. So, ah. Uh. Well, we'll so he says on. if Jimmy stays, he stays, right? So Jim Leonard stays, he stays. Yeah. Um, like there was ten percent chance. There's a bunch of players at this. Like it wasn't the press conference. It was like an invite only, like boosters thing. And there's a bunch of players there. And somebody tweeted out a picture, and the comments were all like, "Oh, where's Braylon Allen?" Uh, Braylon Allen did tweet out uh, that he was in class. So there was he was busy. <laughs> It was, I thought that was kind of fun. I'm in class. so. Well, yeah, he should get off his fucking phone and start learning something. Jesus Christ. It's probably like music a preach or something. He's just, he's in the early stages yet. He's only a sophomore. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, hopefully we true. can hopefully we can hold on to him. But as always, Keel, thank you for coming on. We appreciate all the insight and you sitting there freezing your butt off uh at badger games apparently the last one wasn't too bad and then giving us the inside scoop so always good absolutely guys appreciate it thank you andy all right that was our interview with keel uh breaking down some badgers football and looking forward to what we have coming in the future for the most part i think the only person that wasn't looking forward to the future was Mike. Mike, how did you feel about the interview and what Keel had to had to give us? Yeah, I think that he makes a lot of good points that there's going to be a lot of turnover and we really don't know exactly where we're going, right? We don't know who our offensive coordinator is. We don't know who our position coaches are. We don't know who our defensive coordinator is. Um, we're going to see a lot more like going on after this, but I do think I do think Fickle can be successful, you know, and I think that we're all at least there that we think he's one of the best coaches in the country. And you guys just think that he's a forever badger. And I think not so much. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> I got a lot of confidence. I didn't realize the story that he was the defensive coordinator kind of got in the same boat as Jim Leonard there. Uh, stayed on the staff and then got passed over for the Ohio State 
uh, coach again, because there's got to be some bitterness there. Uh, you get passed over two times for for the job opportunity at Ohio State after being an Ohio State alum. Um, so that that did give me more confidence because I guess I didn't dig into his background enough. Like I just know what Cincinnati's been doing lately, and it's been pretty phenomenal. But I also thought before I heard that, I was like, uh, he might be looking to step up. But you know, if if the bridges have already been burned in Ohio State, like if you're in the Big Ten and you're already at Wisconsin, there's not really that many steps to to step on before you get to Ohio State. You know, maybe Michigan, maybe Penn State. But so like those jobs aren't going to change. Like Harbaugh probably never leaves, right? He's exactly. And he's a Michigan alumni. Um, And then Franklin, I don't know. Do you think he ever leaves? Those might be the only two jobs that are better. Well, I think we covered it in the interview, like that he just signed a 10 year deal, which I know if he, if he starts crapping the bed, like it's, yeah, it's not impossible to get rid of him, but. But no, I, I felt really good after that interview. I hope you as the listeners uh, are a little better informed after this one because uh, I was and and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the experiment. I hope Jim Leonard or Jim Leonard lands on his feet wherever he goes. I hope he stays. I mean, I yeah. don't think that there's unless somebody's offering him like a real head coaching job, there's no reason for him to leave that's kind of my personal opinion um i get that he has to not feel good about that about kind of where he falls in this whole thing but honestly to play under or to coach under another defensive coach and to be able to like kind of like progress your skills and watch someone we think is really really good at being a head coach do it that could be really beneficial yeah Hey, yeah, we'll we'll see because I feel like Jim Leonard's a a smart enough guy to know, you know, maybe maybe there's not a job he could take this year. So sitting back and taking the defensive coordinator job, which I think it would be his if he wanted it. Uh, well, I would back, assume that he has a contract and that it doesn't like go up every year, right? So I heard that they posted the DC job, which to me says that. Uh, like they're not retaining him through this either, right? That like he either quit or like the, uh, I want to say the GM, but the AD said he was done, which I don't think in the first 24 hours should have been what happened. Yeah, no, that that's why I assume he has to reapply or whatever. Like I doubt he has to like actually apply for the job, but I, so I think in the state of Wisconsin, you actually do have to apply. Yeah. Kind of goofy, but no, but I mean, there's due process in, in what that is. And we, we talked about it earlier on earlier episodes that we were wondering if Leonard wasn't hired because some of the due process, but apparently the job needs to be posted for a week before, before you can hire somebody. So there was something to that, but they posted the job like a week 
the previous Saturday. And I think it was pretty well assumed that Jim Leonard was going to get the job. And even in like some of his uh, um, press conferences or post-game uh, conferences, it sounded like he thought he had the job. Uh, so the my, guess, my guess would be that McIntosh knew that it was not going to be him from the jump. Right? So that's the reason you wait to post the job. So you fired him after the Illinois game, which was like week five, something like that. It was pretty early. I mean, it was hot the day we went to the game. You were in town that day, right? You were in Madison. Yeah. Um, so it was it was early in the season. It was not like it, probably October some, sometime. And uh, for sure October sometime. But if you want to hire Jim Leonard right off the jump, you post that right away, right? So I'm guessing that he knew he was hiring Fickle, and that's why he posts it on the day the season ends, right? Or yep. to, to complete that job the day the season ends. So he kind yeah. of has an idea because yeah. Fickle's not going to leave Cincinnati after week five and come to the Badgers. That'd be super weird. And then if you still underperformed, which could really pretty easily be the case, um, then everybody's wondering what the fuck he did. I think like I think that it was strategic by Macintosh to to do it the way he did. Oh yeah, and if he didn't get fickle, he had a backup plan, and he could have said he wanted Leonard the whole time, and yep. and didn't didn't do it. But but anyways, we covered the Badgers extensively on this episode, so Correct. we are going to gonna go to running with the pack, and just to jog some memories, I'm going to do the quick play by play. So. Game starts out, Eagles, 75-yard touchdown drive. Packers throw an interception. Eagles get another touchdown on a three-play, 29-yard drive. You think the Packers are out. It's 13 to nothing. The Packers strike back uh, with a 59-yard touchdown drive of their own. And that's one thing I do want to hit on. If there was a positive that came from the game, our kick returning game, man, um, I can't even think of his name now. Uh, Nixon. Nixon. Uh, Joe Nixon. Joe, Joe Nixon. Nixon. I think Keon, it's Keon or something. Yeah, Keon Nixon was Keon, uh, okay. was bringing the ball back uh, deep, so giving us good field position. But anyways, Packers did show some fight, uh, ended up taking the lead 14 to. 13 and i think that's about the only time we had the lead uh from there then on out so eagles get another touchdown they're up 20 to 14 uh it ends up being 20 to 20 though right yeah yeah, yeah. we, we were field goal. we missed a field goal we were tied before halftime and then jalen hurts was just torching us all day long so I guess I'm not going to go through every single score because it was like a pretty high-scoring game. Anyways, long story short, Eagles win this game 40-33. to uh, Rodgers looks like he not only has a broken thumb now, it looks like he might have some broken ribs now. Jordan Love comes into the game, kind of lights a little bit of a spark. Uh, it was interesting to see. 
Um, I think that was the reason it kept me up last night to watch the whole game instead of going about and watching, watching the conclusion uh, to see how he would do. But he played fairly well. I mean, so I would say he didn't play as good as he threw the ball, right? He threw the ball really, really well. That yeah. His, his passes were like crisp and like really on a line. And I think we don't notice that as much when Rodgers is healthy. If he comes in when Rodgers is healthy and takes a series or two in either a big win or a big loss, um, we don't notice it as much because Rodgers' arm looks really, really good. But so did his. Um, we did notice that Christian Watson is really fast. He made oh, yeah. two of those defenders look like they were running in mud. Uh, like they looked like they had good angles to me, and they still got burned up the sideline. In the pass that Love completed, there was kind of perfect. Like he put it right, right in front of him, allowed him to run through it. Um, Watson has dropped that pass a number of times for Aaron Rodgers, but playing with a little bit more confidence, that helps. Um, and then I thought, uh, love threw one into the end zone to Randall Cobb that I thought Cobb got pass interfered with a little bit early, which I thought was also a pretty good throw. Yeah. Right. That, um, that's a throw that's a, touchdown making throw if he doesn't get bumped early i'm not too worried that we didn't get the call there i think that it's kind of bang bang but i thought the throw was like really really good so yeah i was pretty impressed with the way he threw the ball i don't know if i was impressed with the way he played but because of the situation of the game yeah love was fairly impressive and i think we'll get we'll circle back to that but I think the big story of this game, I guess, other than Rodgers going down, but in a season where we're four and eight at this point, I don't, I don't know how, how that's the biggest part because this game, like the run defense, the defense in general, just got absolutely torched, and everything we talked about pregame like keys to victory, like what to do on, on defense. I mean, they were spying hurts a little bit, but it didn't seem like it was working. And I know that's like an easier said than done, especially when you got Sanders running the ball uh, as well as, as he was running the ball in this game. Um, Hertz runs for 157 yards. Sanders runs for 143 yards. Anytime Hertz needed to make a pass, the Packers thought he was running, so he ends up on going sixteen for twenty. Yeah, they, which is crazy. They, they got into third and seven plus multiple times, and the Packers can't get off the field. They're so afraid of giving up twenty-five to thirty yards that they give up anything that's less than that. Yeah, and I think this was just like the final straw with me, at least with Joe Barry is. Man, there's there's something about that stubbornness to play the same exact defense on third down. Like I think we switched it up one time and brought some heat and played a little man, and it worked. And I just don't get why we abandoned that. Then he doesn't, 
And maybe I need to look at the all 22. Not that I would know what I was looking at in the all 22. I would need someone probably telling me exactly what was going on, but it, it just seems like it's the same damn play every third down and every third down teams are converting on us. Like, I don't know what the season total for like third down percentage uh, versus the Packers is, but it has to be damn near breaking a record. So the Eagles were eight for 15 on third down and then two for three on fourth down. Granted that one fourth down stop when it was fourth and one was yeah pretty damn impressive. Um, keeping the Packers in that game. <clears throat> I know I am being a Debbie Downer about this one, but it was actually a pretty damn fun game to watch for the most part. Um, Yeah. Your defense needs to step up at some point in there though, right? They they need to get a stop somewhere. You can't give up 40 points and win a game. You just can't do it. The offense played fine. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have to stay on the field a little bit more because so Eagles had 500 yards. Uh, and then they had the ball for 35 minutes to the Packers, 25 minutes. Um, our one of Mike's keys to victory was, was give uh, Jones the damn ball. Uh, Jones got the ball 12 times. Dylan got the ball eight times. Dylan was looking good, though. Dylan looked like last year's Dylan again. And then like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was, where he had a good game where he was running the ball hard. But Right, so that, you, that's twelve runs, and then Jones three receptions. Jeez, so, man, it, it felt like he had more receptions than that, though, because he had one that, early too, right? Oh, that was a Dylan, big, big play. No, Dylan and Jones both had three receptions. So, uh, so really, the running backs got the got twenty six touches, right? Yeah, and it, and like really, that should probably be closer to thirty. 25 at least for Jones. I think Jones is electric enough that you could give him 25 touches every game. I mean, maybe that wears on him, but shit, run him out now. We're not, I guess now you could save him if you want to keep him around for next year. Yeah. I mean, we can win out and go nine and eight, uh, keep this season alive, but I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Start winning games. I'm very cool with that. But this, this was the question I was going to bring up to you. So if we have Rodgers with hurt ribs, a broken thumb, do you think we could trick him into thinking we don't need him to play to see what we have in love? Because I think if, if Rodgers wants to play and you say, no, you're, you're sitting out, we're not benching you, but we're going to say you're hurt and we just want to see what we have in love. And it's just like, we could justifiably have sat him after the giants game. If we, if like we really wanted. now, obviously we only have two losses at that point. What we're three and two or something like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We're three and two at that point. You're not going to do that unless there's like a huge, like he can't play physically can't play. Right. Um, I think that doesn't happen until we have two more losses. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's just a, you, you tip the scales to below 500. So you get one more loss 
under Rodgers, and then then it then you can put Love in. But I don't think that that happens until then because even at nine and eight, you could potentially make the playoffs. Not that it's likely, but you yeah, can I'm... potentially do it. And I don't know. It, I don't. I would. I would say that Rodgers is going to fight you the whole way, unless he is like really injured, or they're you know. I don't think that he's a guy that wants to sit down. No, and it's just like a tough situation for like any human with normal emotions to be put yeah. in. Is hey, we got this. Uh, like if you're at your work and. We're like, oh, hey, we hired this guy that's younger than you, that's cheaper than you, that we want to do the same job as you, but we want you to tell them how you do this job effectively. I think you start feeling that hand on your back leading you out the door, which yeah, I don't know if it's the case. I don't know if it should be the case. I personally love Roger so much that if, if we did this, like – Honestly, my thoughts behind it would be sitting him for the rest of the year to see what we have in love. But if Rodgers is willing to come back next year and we give him that much rest and he can be healthy, I would say, Rodgers, this is it. Like, this is this is the last rodeo we have um, after this one you're out. I forget where we are in love's contract if uh, love can walk on us. But I yeah, would... I would give love the rest of this year. If Rogers wanted next year, I would give Rogers next year. So I think the danger is allowing love to play right now. Right. So if you allow him to play and he excels, he does walk because you write my personal belief on this is that you cannot replace Aaron Rodgers. You can't replace him with Jordan love. You can't replace him. I mean, so I guess if you can figure out some way to get, uh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or maybe like a Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, Joe Burrows, if we're going to go back to our uh, older days. Um, His name actually is Joe, so you can't even forget it. Yeah, right. Uh, Like if you're going to go and get one of those guys that appears to be an above average talent at the quarterback position and is in their first three years in the league, Maybe then you can replace him, but I don't even know that like Herbert or Burrow replace him. To be a hundred percent honest with you, I think Mahomes and Allen can. So we still would have love for twenty twenty three. That's our like. option, right? That's the team option. That's yeah, team. I, I sh- sure enough didn't pull up. The, the best thing, but it says in 2023, Love's contract has a 2.3 million base salary, a 3.9 million cap, and a dead cap figure of 3.1 million. The Packers have a choice in front of them regarding what Love does from there. So I would assume that that's the team option. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, uh, right there. that so we can probably keep him controlled, but if he goes out and he plays really, really well, he's going to want out for one. Teams are going to want him, so it's going to be intriguing to get rid of him. And then you're rebuilding with a brand new quarterback as well. 
right? So a guy who didn't sit for three years, which I think creates way more problems. So um, most of the teams in the NFL go out and they draft a guy in the top 10 or 15 and they dump him into their team immediately and they fail. The vast majority of guys fail mostly because they're not prepared to play at that level. And then their psyche gets broke. I think that's, I guess that's a personal opinion, but like, like they get a little bit broken to the NFL and they don't believe they can compete at that level. Right? Yeah. Jordan Love has built up some confidence in, in completing some passes and doing some things in the NFL that have been productive. And then he learns more and he doesn't have to see all the failures that he has where the, some of these guys just see failure after failure after failure. And then when it, when they actually are understanding things, they don't have the confidence to actually act on those things anymore. Yeah. It, it is a very like sink or swim. I mean, there's going to be a couple of guys that you throw out there early that are going to be able to take those Figure things and have like a good mindset to see that they fail, but it's, not or final. they were set up, or the coaches set them up correctly, like right. So I think Ben Roethlisberger was set up correctly. Yeah. So he gets dumped in in his rookie year, and he goes fifteen and one because one, they have a really great defense, and two, their offensive scheme allowed him to excel. Right. They didn't rely on him; they relied on their backs and stuff like that. So. And then he had a great mentor in Tommy Maddox to to ease him into the game. Yep. Tommy Maddox. But. Yeah, I mean, so to get back on the Packer game, uh, I think the bright spots are that, like, our rookies, I think, are okay. I think our rookies are pretty solid players. Um, I think Jordan Love, moving forward, is going to be okay, right? I don't know that if he's ever a Hall of Famer like the last two guys, but um, – I think he's going to be okay. And I just think that this team, probably the first 10 weeks of the season, I mean, we could go out to this week, probably aren't prepared to actually win games. I, no, I'm going to say the first 10 weeks. And then in the last two weeks, like you ran into buzzsaw teams. I think the Titans are kind of a buzzsaw team. They win a lot of games. Even even if they you know lose on occasion, they win a lot of games. They're a good well-structured program and then the eagles this year they they are one of the teams right if there's six teams in the whole nfl that can probably win the super bowl they're in that list they're a very good team and that might have been a loss if we were clicking on all cylinders yeah no and just a little cleanup uh one of our bright spots Keyshawn nixon Keyshawn Nixon, Joe Nixon. I knew what so, it was. So Keyshawn Nixon. So kick return game. Looks like we got something there. Um, so I, so I said I was happy with the way they, the kick return game, which has been fucking terrible for, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. Have we ever had a kick returner that we're like, Oh God, this guy's awesome. I think, I think the Black last, kick return, I think the last kick return for a touchdown was Randall Cobb. That's probably right. But Will Blackman I can't remember another one. Yeah. Was pretty good. Travis Jervy was a beast. Travis uh, Jervy. That was in like <laughs> before the Super Bowls, man. Yeah. And Desmond Howard. So Yeah, Desmond. Yeah. That's the that's like 
we've been bad forever. Like our special teams feels like it's been just atrocious for my entire life. No, I, that's a lie. Desmond Howard. I felt very good about our special teams at that point. There was a couple other guys in there too, but 10 years, I don't think we've had a really good return game. So I just, I said something about like, man, the return, like the kick return is looking fucking awesome tonight. And uh, somebody's like, oh, the Eagles are terrible. I was like, I don't give a shit. The Packers have been terrible forever. Like the fact that they can do anything I'm happy with. Yeah. So yeah, I was pretty happy about that as well. Yeah. And I don't know. All I got to do to sum it up is defense definitely played like dog shit last night. Um, I don't think there's any way around it. Like you said, first and second down, not so bad, but every third down uh, was awful. But I think that's what a guy in the MVP candidate right now that Jalen Hurts does to you. So I guess that's not too much of a, I guess, prosecution of how bad this defense is. But we've just been bad on defense on third down for everyone. So, of course, I'm going to assume here that the Eagles are one of the better teams on third downs this year just because having a dual-threat quarterback gets you to that point. Um, Yeah, we just got burned on every single third down of Philly. Yeah, I mean, hopefully in our next game, things can look better. We'll All right. Well, I, have, that, I have faith we'll win. Probably yeah. won't lose another game. Yep. Yeah, looking at the schedule on out, and then we will roll into the bing bongs. So next week we have the Bears. So easy win, Rams, easy win at the Dolphins on Christmas, easy win, Vikings. Easy win, Lions, easy win. So, yeah, uh, easy games on out. Yeah, so we're good to go. Easy. We're the Packers. Yeah. What we do is win. All right, Mike, we are going to have to roll through this faster than we've ever rolled through this. I, yeah. All right. So, uh, let's get going here. Our week 12 picks, we had the Packers at the Eagles. Eagles were minus seven. We both lost this. This was our double dog. We only gave ourselves one loss on this, though, because – we pushed on this. Like, so the Packers pushed, so we're going to only take minus 100 on it, even though we took them as a double dog. All right, Bills, minus nine at the Lions. The Bills were minus nine in this game. Uh, first game on Thanksgiving, Patrick had the Lions. He covers. Uh, I had I was on the Bills. I'm 0-2. Patrick is 1-1. One one. Uh Giants at the Cowboys. Cowboys are minus nine. I'm taking the Giants. Getting uh, nope, not getting, back, getting, getting back to one and two. Uh, Pat was on the Cowboys. Did not cover. Uh, backdoor cover by the Giants. This game was at, what, 15? Like right oh. before the end of that game. I thought for sure that you had got that cover there. Yeah, hey, I was uh, definitely the smarter better than you this week. That was a backdoor cover. I knew that was coming. Uh, yeah. That's it. Vikings. Uh, the Vikings win this one 33 to 26. Pat covers with taking the Vikings while I take another loss, taking the Patriots while I wished the Vikings had taken a loss. Uh, Buccaneers at Browns. Uh, Buccaneers were minus three in this game. 
Buccaneers lose 17 to 23. So the Browns win at 23-17 in overtime. Uh, next up, we got the Bengals at the Titans. The Titans, or the Bengals were minus one and a half in this game. We both took the Titans. Bengals squeak out a 20 to 16 victory. Texans at the Dolphins. Dolphins are minus 12. Uh, I think this game moved to like 13 and a half or 14 and a half. So we got it at this, but uh, I took the Texans at minus or at plus 12, got the loss. Yep. Uh, 30 to 15, Dolphins win that game. Uh, Bears at the Jets. Jets were minus four and a half. Uh, the Jets get the win 31 to 10. Is it Mike White? Joe White. Yep. Uh, yep. Looks like the real deal, apparently. Um, next up, Falcons at the Commanders. Commanders are minus four. Uh, Commanders win 19 to 13. That's your team. Yep. Broncos, uh, minus two and a half at the Panthers. Pat and I are both smarter than all the Sharps in Vegas, and we take the Panthers. Panthers win 23 to 10. I don't know why anybody is thinking the Broncos can win any games at all. Doesn't make no sense to me. Uh, yeah. No, that one I felt like was an interesting line that yeah. it felt like something was coming, but we'll roll yeah. on. Ravens minus four at the Jaguars, and we should have taken the Jaguars as our double dogs as they get the win 28 to 27 against the Ravens. I don't know how this ended up happening. I don't know if this was like a last second game. Do you, did you, it see was, that? yeah. Trevor Lawrence came back in the fourth quarter. Um, they ended up going for two at the end of the game to win this one 28 to 27. So Trevor Lawrence had a pretty good fourth quarter to bring the Jaguars back in this game. So your assumption that the Ravens give up leads late held true. You're we're very right. This Ravens team fell apart late and Jaguars took advantage. All right. So next up, we've got the chargers minus three and a half at the Cardinals. Uh, the chargers win this game, 25, 24, the Cardinals cover. Um, and this is just stupid. Joe Staley. Giving this <laughs> stupid win in a game he doesn't deserve to win, in personal opinion. Didn't see a second in that game. Just, I hate Brandon Staley. So, Raiders at the Seahawks. Seahawks are minus three and a half. Um, the Raiders win this 40 to 34. And we both get a loss. Both they, both were on the Seahawks. Is this the game that I said, like, there's no reason that the the line was like this? Maybe it was a different one. I don't know. The line seemed kind of right to me because I think the Seahawks are kind of that team that's above average and the Raiders are the team that's below average. I, I don't know. It, it makes yeah. sense to me. Okay. So maybe, head. maybe it, maybe it wasn't there for that. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the Rams at the chiefs, the chiefs were minus 14 and a half. The chiefs get the cover. This did move up to 15 and a half as well, but they got, they covered either way. Pat and I were both on the Chiefs. Uh, Saints at 49ers. 49ers are minus eight and a half. I took the Saints thinking that they could at least score a point because, you know, all you need is a couple of field goals for Christ's sakes. But 49ers get the win 13 to nothing. Uh, Steelers at Colts. Colts are minus three. Where are we at on that game right now, Pat? 
I'm pretty sure the Steelers won it 24 to 17. So we both take an L on this one. I will make those red for us. And our totals are not total yet, but we both take a loss on the Colts game. Um, Finishing the week, Mike is down 290 bing bongs. I am up 130 bing bongs. And so my total is negative 3,090. Mike's total is negative 1,060. Yep. Did all the math right in my head, Mike. All right. Let's let's get in here and let's do the Thursday night thunder. What do you got for the line, Mike? Ah, shit. I had it up before I went to look for that Colts game, too. Um, we have the Patriots at the Bills. No, Bills at the Patriots. Bills are minus five in this game. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I just think I smell something funky in that line. And there's some funky going on in Buffalo as well, where I think I think they're I think they're hitting that rough patch. And I've seen Packers teams do this that I've held out faith in. Granted, I'm still holding out the faith in the, the Packers team this year. Me but, too. Win them all out. I'm going but, to playoff. But yeah, I think this is just the rough skid for the Bills. Um, they did you know, squeak out the win against the Lions on Thanksgiving. But I just think this game's going to be close. I think the Bills more than likely win this one, but just the struggles they've been going through is, I'm going to say the Patriots, keep it close. But I'm going to be wrong one of these times and the Bills are going to be back to humming because I don't see this Bills team. This, this Bills team is still number one or two contender in the AFC. Yep, so I'm going to take the Bills here. I think that this is the team that you want to rub their nose in it. They've been rubbing your nose in it for 20 years, the whole AFC East. And when you can rub it in Belichick's nose, you're going to. I, yep. I think that's my opinion on this game. And if the Bills aren't going to do that, they should really start thinking about every time. Just... I'm sure they try to do it every time. I don't I don't think that's really a question. I I don't know. Like I think there's definitely games we've gone into like um we've gone to places that we knew we were going to win and we didn't just put up 35 on them and keep them Yeah. Alive. Right? So as a Packer, as a Packer fan Right, I think that like there's times when you could have really just like pushed their face in it and you didn't. You didn't make them eat the white dog poop. Yeah, no, I guess you're right on that one. All I right. feel that way. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I, I think there's something to that. But anyways, that will wrap up wrap up episode 22. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening. Um, hope you guys enjoyed Keel. Uh, we appreciate the support. Love you guys. And I will kick it to Mike. Yeah. Uh, so give us a download or whatever. 
it's Christmas time. Give us a nice little gift of a, a, a download and a listen. Um, be a friend, tell a friend. Download it on all your people's devices secretly. Nice, nice little prank, Christmas prank. There's got to be some time around Christmas that you do people pull pranks, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. For all you suckers that are doubting the Brewers, the Bucks, the Badgers, the Packers, or Team USA, you can eat our shorts. Roll it. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat them. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat my shorts.